0: Hello,
1: olay and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. Of course, we're talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is the last fight card of the year, UFC Vegas 17, with a loaded main card that is filled with exciting fights, including a main event between Wonderboy Thompson and Jeff Neal that is absolutely can't miss. But with that being said, you of course know that we will not be breaking down that fight or any of the fights on the main card. Instead, we are all in, focused on these prelims. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show, first of all, where have you been? Second of all, uh, you're probably wondering why just the prelims. Why not break down the main card? And the answer is really simple. There's a lot of money to be won on the prelims, whether you're playing DraftKings, Daily Fantasy Sports, or whatever, by knowing a little bit more than your opponent when it comes to these fights. So... We're here to break those down for you and give you that edge. And of course, speaking of getting an edge, this episode is brought to you by AJ's MMA betting.com. That link is in the show notes. And yes, it is a little bit new. He's changed it up a little bit. AJ's MMA AJ is unlike all those other companies who offer gambling advice because he's not just a list of fighters or teams that you can put money down on each week. Instead, he does so much more than that. He provides you, his customers, with his picks, but also with an education that you can use for years to come. And he does this through breakdowns that get sent right to your inbox. I highly suggest checking out his podcast because let me tell you something, he gives some really amazing insights there. And you can check out all of his work at AJMMABetting.com or by following him on Twitter at AJMMABetting. I'm sure you won't be sorry if you do. Now, in order to break down these fights, I, of course, need a co-host joining me today from MMA Odds Breaker, Adam Martin. Adam, thanks so much for joining me.
0: Hey, Daniel. I'm glad to be back, man. I had a lot of fun on the uh, Top Turtle Show last time, so I'm, bl- I'm glad to be back. And what a card to end the year, man. This is an amazing card. Absolutely. And with an amazing card, it is absolutely stacked. So while you listeners
1: might be really familiar with our usual format, we're going to do it a little bit different this time. We're going to put Six minutes on the clock so let me give you that that little tone right there and we're going to start this round by talking about Balal Muhammad versus Diego Lima Balal Muhammad on a three-fight winning streak with wins over Curtis Millender, Takashi Sato and Lyman Good. Lima also is on a three-fight win streak he beat Chad LaPrice uh Court McGee and Luke Jomo of course that last win was 14 months ago so he's been off for quite some time uh, let's start with this they're both on kind of long win streaks which one has you more excited here
0: Oh, definitely Blah Muhammad. I, uh, I definitely like him in this fight. He's a great fighter, man, and I'm glad he's finally in the rankings because I think he's a guy who could have been there for a little while now. Uh, well rounded guy, good wrestling, improving striking. I like his game, man, good cardio. You know, Diego Lima, I got to give him a lot of credit, Daniel, because he's a guy that I, I swear I pick against him every fight. And the first time he was in the UFC, he lost almost every fight. And to his credit, he went in the regional scene, he went in the ultra Fighter, came back, he improved. And since then, he's won three straight fights, but I'm just not convinced that these wins are that great. Like, the Chad Priest fight, it was a great knockout at the time. I was at that fight in Toronto. It was a surprising knockout. It was a huge underdog. And then since then, he beat Cor McGee and Luke Jumo, But those guys are like, Cor- Cor McGee's one of those guys that are probably going to be among the 60 cut, and Luke Jumo's already been cut. And he hasn't had long layoff, too. So, to me, there's just too many negatives going against him here. Like, he definitely has some things about his game that you've got to like, like, like just the wrestling and, and the knockout power we saw in the LaPreece fight, but... Overall, I just see too many holes in this game, and uh, you know, the, uh, Muhammad hasn't actually had a knockout I don't think in the UFC yet. Diego Lim is a guy who gets knocked out quite often. Is this the fight where he gets knocked out uh, and finally gets a knockout win for uh, by Bilal Muhammad? Possibly. I think the safe pick here is probably Bilal Muhammad win decision, but it could be the first fight where he gets a knockout in the UFC. What are you thinking?
1: I think I'm going to go with the same thing. I think I like him by knockout here. And you mentioned all of the negatives. It's also worth noting that that win over Luke Jumo, split decision. One of the judges gave him both the second, or Jumo, both the second and third round, which also sort of speaks to the thing that I don't like about Lima in this fight, is he kind of fades towards the end of rounds. And that's a really dangerous thing against a guy who has pace like Muhammad. Um, It's super dangerous. So yeah, I like Muhammad. If he does get the knockout, I bet you he does it late. And that brings us to our second fight, which is Sajara Eubanks versus Panny Kianzad. Eubanks had one two straight, but she recently lost to Ketlin Vieira back in September. Kianzad, meanwhile, is back-to-back decision wins over Jessica Rose Clark and Betch Koheya. The, the question for you here is that Eubanks seems to thrive when she can use her physical strength to kind of bully her opponent. Do you think she has the physical strength and the skill set to get inside and bully Panny Kianzad?
0: That's a great question. We'll find out soon. I think this is a pretty competitive fight, in my opinion. You know, they're pretty, like, well-rounded fighters, I'd say, both of them. Uh Eubanks at 125 had that size advantage, but she couldn't make that weight anymore. So 135, I think she's looked okay. Not great by any means. Candid, she's actually looked good lately. If you go and look at her stats for her last couple of fights, like, she's been landing a lot of significant strikes. So her boxing is definitely getting better, as we saw in the last few fights. But I don't know, man. Eubanks, physically, I do think is a little bit stronger. And I do think she might be able to get some takedowns here at Griner Decision. This is actually one of the closer fights, I think, on the prelims. It's not like a super confident pick. I'm way more confident in Bilal Muhammad, for instance, than Eubanks. But, you know, I'm still going to pick Eubanks to win Decision here. It is a super close fight, though. And and you're right. I mean, if, if she can't get inside and get that takedown, and Kianza keeps her at the end of her jab, she could lose this fight. So, um, yeah I'll take Eubanks by decision I just think she'll be able to grind her out but it's a close fight man
1: I, I'm gonna do the same thing as you I'm gonna take Eubanks by decision here and I, I agree I think she gets in enough and enough of those takedowns MMA math doesn't work let's start there but let's also say if you're doing a comparison in her strength and her ability to get inside look at the fact that Keon Zod got bodied up in in physicaled up by Julia Avila who then got physicald out physicaled by Sejara Eubanks so if you're you're talking about skill sets and in you know strength abilities there, I think that does sort of play even though it is MMA mathy. So I'm gonna take Sajara Eubanks on that premise. And that brings us to our last fight of the first round, which is Darren Win versus Antonio Arroyo. Win back-to-back losses recently to Darren Stewart in GM3, the latter of which was by rear naked choke. Arroyo meanwhile lost his UFC debut, a decision to Andre Muniz back last November. So I guess my question here is that Wynn has looked kind of vulnerable in his last two losses, especially the Gerald Mearshart loss. Is there anything about that loss that you think Arroyo could take away and use here against Wynn?
0: Yeah, you know, Deron Wynn is, is an interesting fighter, man, because he's got great wrestling, as we know about. And uh, I remember watching him fight Tom Lawler on that Chuck Liddell card in Tito Ortiz a few years ago, and I liked him. And the first fight he had in the UFC against Eric Spicely was an incredible fight. If anyone missed that fight, go back and watch that one. It was a sick fight. But since then, bro, look what happened, man. He's too small. He's five foot six with a 70-inch reach. He's too small for his division. We saw what happened when he fought a big middleweight in Gerald shirt. We saw what happened when he fought a big middleweight in Darren Stewart. These guys are able to get better positions than him on the ground. So I've seen a lot of kind of mixed reaction in this fight. A lot of people think Deron Wynn is a live dog here with the wrestling. And he, he is because he does have that wrestling where he can control the fight. But if he can't get the takedown and it stays standing or – if it's just a fight that goes to the ground and Arroyo is able to get a submission, he could lose this fight. So, to me, Arroyo's got a little bit more... He's got a few more paths to victory in this fight. I just can't get over the fact that drawn Wins is so small. five six compared to six 6'3", 70-inch reach to 73. Those are things I look at. i, I got to go with Arroyo in this fight. Again, it's pretty competitive because stylistically, if Wynn uses wrestling, he could win this fight. But... I just can't pick a five foot six middleweight, man. The UFC. <laughs> yeah, I agree.
1: I agree with you on this one. And the thing too about Arroyo is Arroyo's a big middleweight, so big that when he took this fight on sh- semi short notice, he demanded that this is at catch rate. So this is actually not even a middleweight fight. This is one ninety five. Friggin' Darren Win is a 195 er right now, which is such an incredible sentence and with that being said i also just like the fact that arroyo he lives behind his jab a little bit he's very physically strong and and those are the two things that are going to stop somebody who's five foot six from getting in on you and taking you down so yeah i got arroyo here i actually think he gets it done with a sub and that does it for our very first round we'll be back with three more fights in our second round in just a moment And it's just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's MMABetting.com. That link is once again in the show notes for you guys. One of the awesome things that AJ does when he breaks down a fight for you is that he's not just giving you who he thinks is going to win and in what dominant fashion, but he also gives you both sides of that matchup. He gives you all the pros and cons. And that really is where you're learning with AJ because, you know, a lot of those guys just send you their picks and really, you know, maybe they're hitting a little bit here and there but you're not learning anything from them. You've become dependent on them. AJ wants to educate you. AJ wants to get you to the top alongside of him. So I highly suggest checking him out at ajsmmabetting.com because he's going to help you get to that next level. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another six minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Iman Zahabi versus Draco Rodriguez. Zahabi won his first two in the UFC, but then quickly lost his next two. The last one was a loss to Vince Morales, and that was all the way back in May of 2019. So a big layoff for him. Rodriguez, meanwhile, 7-1, making his UFC debut. You might remember him from his Contender Series triangle choke on Mana Martinez, which he got his contract of pretty recently. So uh, my question here is that Rodriguez in that fight despite the fact he walks away with the triangle choke, actually was having a kind of a tough time with the grappling. It looked like he was in a triangle choke. It looked like he was in an arm bar. It looked like he was almost in an plata. And then he pulls out the sub. Do you think that that is a bad sign against somebody like Ayman Zahabi?
0: I mean, definitely. The thing about Ayman Zahabi, I like, he's so well coached, right? Because his brother's going to be in his corner for us. So you know he's going to get good coaching. You know he's going to have a good game plan coming into this fight. It hasn't really worked out for him so far in the UFC, as we know, with the mediocre record. But who knows? I mean, maybe this is the fight where Zahabi finally puts it together and and gets a win. That being said, I mean, there's a few things that kind of stand out to me here in this fight. Daniel, like, first off, you look at the age difference. That's another thing I always look at. Nine-year age advantage for Jack Rodriguez. He's nine years younger. So, yeah, Zahabi's the more experienced guy. And that that does help. But a nine-year age gap is something that generally plays into the younger fighter's advantage. So, you're talking about that fight in a contender series? Um, I mean, listen, like, the guy got the job done at the end of the day, right? He got the job done in the first round. So, yeah, I definitely know what you're saying. He got put in some bad positions. And if he does in this fight, like, it's possible Zahabi could uh, maybe score a, f- a flashy win. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's had some nice wins in the past, but not really in the UFC. I just, I don't know. The long layoff also bothers me for Zahabi a year and a half. It's a long time. To me, there's a lot of things pointing in Draco Rodriguez's direction here. I, I'm, I'm not saying I love him in this spot because he's unproven at this level, man, but I'll take Zahabi and I'll take him in win the decision here. Or sorry, sorry, I apologize. I, I meant to say I'm picking Rodriguez to beat Zahabi. I apologize. <laughs>
1: that, that's all right. I was kind of surprised when you dropped it, but I am actually going to go with Zahabi too, so maybe you, uh, you just were feeling my pick about to come through. <laughs> but I, I agree with everything you said. I, I'm worried about Zahabi. I will say, though, looking back, the thing that makes me the most confident is Everybody remembers that knockout to, to Ricardo Hamoch which was really scary. He got elbowed in the chin and absolutely you know, knocked silly. But I had him winning that fight. And, and you know, to be a guy who was beating up Ricardo Hamos, I, I he just has a lot of stock in my, my case there. And like you said, the good coaching, the long layoff, I think it's good that he actually spent some time getting his mind right. And maybe we see a better version. Maybe this is a hopeful pick, but I'm going to take Iman Zahabi by decision here. And that brings us to our next one, which is a light heavyweight contest between Taifan Chukwe and Jamie Pickett. Chukwe, 4-0 making his debut. That's right, just 4-0. He got a Contender Series win over Al Manitabo, and he also beat William Knight by KO on the regional circuit. Pickett, meanwhile, also making his UFC debut at 11-4. He got a Contender Series win over Jonathan Potti by punches. And this is his... That was his third chance on the Contender Series after losing to both Puna Soriano and charles bird so he, he had some chances in order to get here now the big question is obviously chukwi's power right chukwi throws bombs does pickett have what it takes to stay elusive and stay away from those bombs in this fight
0: bro i love this fight i gotta tell you right now man this is like gonna be one of the best fights of the card. i can see someone getting brutally knocked out in this fight and I, I got to go with the Chukwi, but pick it, man, there's something special with this guy too. So let me talk about the Chukwi first. That fight on Contender series against Al Matiavo, my jaw dropped, man. That was such a crazy knockout. Again, if people missed that one, go back and watch that head kick. That was sick. And like you said, the William Knight win, that's a nice win. I really like William Knight. That's a great win. So this guy's been a pro for like less than two years. He's already in the UFC with four knockouts on, on the regional scene. I like that, man. He's finishing guys. I do like he's just taking the decision. He's knocking him out and knocking him out brutally. Um, He's a young guy, 26 years old. There's just a lot to like about him. Moving down to 185 is interesting. We'll see how that weight cut. That, that's definitely something to keep in mind. The weight cut could be a concern possibly, but overall, I really like the guy. Talking about Pickett really quick, uh, man, I gotta be honest, bro. I, I I thought that he wasn't that good. After those two fights like a Terry series where he lost, I was like, man, this guy's not that great. And I go and pick Patti in the last fight, and he got smoked. Like the way the ferocity, the viciousness of that knockout was sick. So Pickett. He's kind of a wide dog here, I think, just because he's got a little bit more experience, he's got the knockout power, but I still gotta go with the Chukwi man. Based on what I saw, the guy's got crazy knockout power. I'll take him to win a knockout here, buy knockout here. Either way, I don't see this fight going three rounds.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm gonna take Chukui here. I do like Pickett. I will say the thing that worries me about those fights with Charles Bird and Puna Soriano is they sort of manhandle them, and, and neither of them are as strong as Chukui. So, like, if he does get in some sort of grappling exchange... I can't imagine that going well for him or any clinch exchanges. So like you know, that that's another, you know, just sort of check mark on the Chukwi side. So yeah, I'm gonna take Chukwe here. I'm gonna take him by knockout uh in early on too. So that brings us to our last fight of the second round, which is Rick the Gladiator Glenn versus Carlton Minus. Glenn last loss to Kevin Aguilar, that was in November of twenty eighteen. He's been gone for two years. Carlton Minus, meanwhile, took a decision loss to Matthew Sumelisberger back in his August debut. So obviously there are so many dynamics of this fight. Glenn is coming up from 145 pounds minus coming down from 170 pounds. They were previously 25 pounds apart. You got Glenn's layoff. What are you doing to break down this fight?
0: Dude, this fight's so weird. This is such a weird fight. Like it really is. Like I sold a place on this card, in my opinion, like you look at the other fights on this card and then you look at this fight and like, I would assume the loser gets cut. They're going to be one of the 60 people cut. So they're going to be fighting for their jobs in this fight, man. And, it could be an interesting fight just because it's so strange, right? Cause looking at it, it is kind of a difficult fight to break down because of the things you mentioned. Like, if you go to UFC stats right now, you look at the, at the matchup, it says 145 against 170. So what the heck, right? Um, to me, there's a few things it comes down to. Like, listen, Carlton Minas has got some advantage in this fight. He's got a five inch reach advantage. That's huge. He is a younger guy in this fight as well. Um, but Rick Glenn's a way more experienced guy. He's fought way better competition. He's got more experience in the UFC. He's got more wins in the UFC, too. And I know it's been a while, but I still remember that fight with Gavin Tucker. And look how good Gavin Tucker is now. That was one of those brutal beatdowns I've ever seen. It was three years ago. Rick Glenn's not the same guy, but you remember that fight. If he could have a performance like that again, he could Man, he could dominate this fight. So they call him the gladiator for a reason, man. I've always liked Rick Glenn. Getting back to WSLF, um, I'm going to pick him here. But it's not a fight I would bet on. I would not recommend laying minus 300 or whatever it is on, on Rick Glenn in this fight because of Mine's physical advantages with the reach and stuff so, and the weight. So Rick Glenn by decision, but man, this is a weird fight. <laughs>
1: yeah, I agree 100% with staying away from this fight and from a betting perspective. I'm going to take Rick Glenn here too. The the aspect that makes me really over the top on Rick Glenn here is the speed advantage he's going to have on minus minus. Minus looked like he was slow striking against Matthew Samelisberger, who's basically a wrestler up at 170. So like you go down and you fight a featherweight when you're already a slow welterweight, dude, you're going to get peppered with shots. So I think Rick Glenn here probably just, you know, throws 120 strikes in the three minute fight um, and lands just about damn near all of them. So that's my pick for that one. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We still got three more for you in the third round. So don't go anywhere. All right guys, just a quick reminder of what subscribers are saying about AJ'sMMAbetting.com, and this comes from subscriber George, a real life subscriber out there in the world. He says that he's been following AJ for several months, and AJ is ultra impressive. But honestly, it's more than AJ's winning selections and return on investment that are the reasons I follow. His breakdowns and understandings of matchups are what impress me the most. It can be hard to separate out your emotions and favorite fighters in this crazy fight game. But AJ seems to be able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book. And, of course, we are totally agree here with George. He comes highly recommended in my book as well. And I think you'd love him if you check him out at AJ's MMA And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jimmy Flick versus Cody Durden. Flick, 15-5, and five, making his UFC debut. He beat Nate Smith on the Contender Series. He's a former LFA champion. Durden, meanwhile, drew in his debut against Chris Gutierrez. Now, I've broken down this one, but obviously you're a new guest, so I'm going to ask you the same question I asked whatever guest I had three weeks ago. Do you think Durden could wrestle Jimmy
0: Flick, and do you think he should wrestle Jimmy Flick? This is a great question, Dan. I'm glad you asked that question. Could he wrestle him? Yes. I do think he will probably try to shoot some takedowns here and and get the fight to the ground. But if he does that, that's a that's a mistake. Jimmy Flick's special on the ground, man. We both seen him fight. He's incredible at chaining submissions together. Like, one of the best guys I've ever seen. This is a weird fight, too, in some ways, because they're both – uh well, I think Durden's moving down to 125, right? So that's kind of interesting. Also, like you said, the fight was supposed to happen two weeks ago. Cody Durden got pink eye. And the fight got cancelled or scratched for two more weeks. So that's weird too. I mean, what have they been doing the last two weeks? Have they just been training? Like have they been relaxing? Has their weight gone up? Two uh, two weight cuts, right? So that that's kind of weird too. So I don't know, man. It's 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 kind of a strange fight, but overall, like, I don't know how I can go against Jimmy Flick because of what I've seen with his submission game. It's just so it's so good. Cody Durden, if he can stop the submissions and just evade them, he can win this fight, obviously. But I don't think he will, man. I gotta go with Flick. I do think he gets a sub in this fight.
1: I agree with you entirely. And the other facet of this game that I think is interesting to me is the fact that Cody Durden kind of tired in that fight against Chris Gutierrez in now down a weight class. You have to imagine the gas tank is worse and he's fighting a guy who's a machine and puts a crazy grappling pace. If he's going to try to chain wrestle Jimmy Flick, he is going to be working nonstop for every single minute he's doing it. And I just can't imagine that Jimmy Flick runs out of gas before he does or doesn't slap in a submission. So, yeah, I got Jimmy Flick here by submission as well. And that brings us to our second fight, which is Jillian Robertson versus Talia Santos. Uh, Robertson on a two-fight winning streak. She subbed Courtney Casey and then took a decision over Poliana Botelho. Santos, meanwhile, after losing her debut, bounced back to win a decision over Meatball Molly McCann. So I I think the obvious question here, Robertson's clear path to victory always seems to be take it to the ground. Use that submission game. But does she have an advantage here over Santos, who's pretty darn good on the ground anyway?
0: I think as far as pure submissions go, Robertson has an advantage almost every almost over everyone in this division. Like her, I think she has the record now for most submissions at 125, right? So she she's got an amazing submission game offensively, but defensively it leaves a lot to be desired. What about the fight with Barber where she got her face smashed in on the ground? That really worries me, man. Like, and she's been submitted too by Um Yira Bueno, right? So. She's been tapped out. I, I like Jillian Robertson. Don't get me wrong. And she is, a, she is born in Canada. So I, I should pick her here, but I, I like Santos, man. There's a few reasons I like her. I mean, first off, the fight with McCann, I didn't expect that performance from her. She looked absolutely incredible in that fight. Like, and that was after a long layoff, too. So that's one of those fights where you talk about what, what do fighters do with their layoffs? She was getting better and she landed a lot of takedowns, controlled that fight. I think she'll be able to kind of uh, just negate any of Robertson's submission attempts here. And, and stay in top position if the fight's on the ground, or if it stays on the feet, she has a 5-inch reach advantage. So there's a lot that I like about Tyler Santos in this fight, personally. And I'm going to pick her to win this fight, uh, take her by decision, but she could get a stoppage, possibly, if Robertson retires. But uh, I'm really curious to hear what you think about this fight, actually.
1: Yeah, I, I the thing is, is I, I definitely hear what you're saying. She definitely got better. She looked good against Molly McCann. To me, I, I kind of chalk that fight up, though, to being... Uh, somebody who's fairly good at grappling, beating up, and and taking down and out wrestling. I I mean, she's a British boxer. That's that's what Molly McCann is. And, yeah, she's ironing out the other parts of her game. She's certainly got some takedown skills. But at her heart, she loves boxing, right? And and so I see a Brazilian who took down a British boxer a bunch of times, not to oversimplify things. I think Robertson is just a little bit better. And, and, you know, you mentioned before – you know where you sort of take their age into stock and they don't have a huge age difference here but Robertson is younger and she's working with Dean Thomas. I just have so much respect for him. In in right now he's he's pretty much giving her one-on-one time. It's it's her Shorty Torres and Dean Thomas alone in a gym somewhere. I just can't imagine how much better that's making her grappling on a daily basis. And you know you mentioned her bad loss. Let's mention uh, Talia Santos's bad loss too. She lost to Mara Romero Barella who's no longer with the UFC. It is like one in her last six fights with just a win over Santos. So she's got a bad loss in there too. in, in with some grappling in there as well. So I'm going to take Robertson and I actually think she gets the sub here, but you're right. This is a super close fight. Uh, and that brings us to our last one, which is Carl baby K Roberson versus Dolce Lugia. Uh So Roberson, had a two-fight win streak. He got that snapped by Marvin Vittori with a rear-naked choke. Of course, now that that loss does not look bad absolutely at all. Looking at Bula, meanwhile, won his UFC debut against uh, Daquan Townsend, but then he got front-kicked into oblivion by Magomed Ankulev, uh with just one of the more brutal knockouts that I've seen. So, Roberson, if you look back at all of his losses he seems to kind of only get beat by people who are willing to grapple him up, right? Like, Vittori grappled him up, uh, Glover Teixeira grappled him up. You know, like, his losses are to grappling-type guys. Is that a
0: game plan that's even available to Dolce, or or is he good enough to beat him anywhere else? Yeah, this is another kind of, like, interesting fight, kind of a weird one, too, just because we haven't really seen much of Dolce in the UFC, just the two fights. He hasn't fought in over a year now. The Ankala fight, like, again, you know, numbers aren't everything, but... Looking at that fight, man, he landed six significant strikes in like almost three rounds. Like that's that's not enough output. And even the one win he had, he did finish that fight in the third round, but again, only landed 32 strike, significant strikes. That's not a lot. So he's kind of a low output guy. And I think if this fight stays on the feet, uh, Robertson should be able to get her, man, just with volume and also I think the power a little bit too. But having said that, I mean there are some some things you can like about Dolger here. Like the he has a slight reach advantage, which he that enjoys in this fight. So that's something to keep in mind. And I mean. He hasn't fought much in the UFC, so he hasn't taken much damage either. Whereas Robertson, man, he's he's uh, he's had some fights, some crazy fights, like that Roman Coppola fight was a crazy fight, or the Vittori fight. He, he got finished pretty quick on the ground there, I guess. But he's he's been in some wars, so who knows? Maybe the damage is adding up. Um. Overall, though, I mean, I still got to go with Robertson in this fight. I just think, like, looking at the betting lines, it's a little inflated, in my opinion. I think people are just kind of blindly fading Dolch after the the knockout loss to Ankalaev. But I think you kind of got to look a little deeper in this fight. Personally, it's kind of a pass for me. I and mean, He's one of the more clear favorites, according to the odds. But for me personally, it's a pass. I will take Robertson. Probably get a knockout here, but it's not really a fight I'm interested in, in betting on personally.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree with you in that one. Add, you know, you're seeing him hover around negative 240. That that's just not a, a line that makes any sense to me, especially because we have no idea what Dolce Lugiaambula is going to look like at middleweight because this is another absolute tank coming down to middleweight. He's going to have to cut off one of his legs to make middleweight. So you know, like I, I'm curious on what that means. And again, you know, we said it about Durden. We said it a little bit about Chukui. like he's massive. And he didn't have a great gas tank, and now you're taking him down a weight class where his gas tank's going to be worse against the guy whose output is better than his. So, yeah, like, I actually think Roberson probably by knockout as well, once he gets him into the late rounds and we gets him really tired, I think he's just going to pour it on and, and just make him hurt. Uh, and that's going to do it. Nine fights. We gave it to you guys in right around 20 minutes. We hope you guys enjoyed, learned a little bit of something, maybe have a little bit more of an edge if you're playing DraftKings or maybe you're laying down some money on these prelims. Uh, so we hope you guys enjoyed. I want to once again thank my co-host, Adam Martin. You can follow him on Twitter at MMA or MMAdamMartin. Uh, Adam, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate yeah, it. thanks for
0: having me, man. It was a lot of fun.